Hello? Matt, let me know when you're ready. We'll be good to go. I'm good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back with a brand new episode here in The Truth, back once again with AJ Ponciano. AJ, how are you doing here today? I'm doing good now. How are you? I'm doing great as well. We're like kind of going through a different age, I guess you could say, of The Truth. This is our first episode of it being a fantasy football podcast in 2024, and there's a lot of reasoning behind it. First and foremost, this was the most attractive thing that we've done besides me and you i guess being the most attractive host of the podcast it was the most attractive like area for people to listen to and i've always liked doing fantasy football that was one of the reasons why we had started the podcast ben and i had did and honestly you look at the 2024 as a whole both aj and i are extremely busy and it's just a good idea to kind of try it out here in 2024 so 2024 for the most part will be strictly fantasy football podcast I will update you accordingly if we decide to do different shows in football, baseball, basketball, etc. But the primary, primarily focus of 2024 is going to be fantasy football. And with that, we are far away from a fantasy football season. Took the two-week uh, two break of the Super Bowl till now. And we're going to go over some fantasy stuff from the past, including this show where it's going to be our five fantasy surprises. So these shows are meant to be a little bit quicker, a little bit more in-depth, and really fantasy football focused. So... Without further ado, we got five fantasy surprises here. I know AJ and I have a couple that are the same. AJ, I think, made a list of his own as well, but if there's one on my list that he ended up having as well, he'll briefly touch on that. So without further ado, give me your biggest fantasy surprise this season. So the first one, I got to go with Tony Pollard. I mean, everyone thought he was going to take that step forward. He's going to be a lead back uh, with Ezekiel Elliott not being there. This year, yes, he did surpass 1,000 yards with 1,005 yards. But he also had two less yards than last year, playing one more game and having 59 more rush attempts and still having less yards, less touchdowns, went from nine to six. Receiving game, yes, he had uh, 14 more catches. But within that time, he also had uh, 60 less receiving yards. And through the air, he had three less rushing touchdowns. He last, or two years ago now, he had three rush, three receiving touchdowns. And this last season, he had none. So just very disappointing there. I mean, a lot of people were drafting him high this last path this season because, you know, the Cowboys offensive line is one of the best in the league. Uh, they always are. And Pollard last year being the second back uh, there behind Zeke mainly had a really good season. His first year, 1,000 yards, uh, double-digit touchdowns between uh, the ground and the air. And he didn't really come close to that. Uh, I know coming into the season, he was projected as a top 10 running back, even potentially top five running back. Uh, but – this last season, he finished as the uh, number 18 running back in the NFL. I mean, just very underwhelming for what the standards were. Now, he wasn't a bad uh, pick if you were able to get him like in the second round, even potentially third round if he fell. What was a bad pick? But just the hype that was behind uh, behind him coming into the season, becoming that lead back. And he had a lot of opportunities as well. It wasn't like he had less carries. He had a lot more carries. He had a lot more opportunities. He didn't really do anything with it. So that's why I have him as more of a bust uh, as the surprises, uh, more of a bust type of surprise this year because I wasn't the biggest Tony Pollard fan, but I know so many people were and they were drafting him uh, mid to late first round this past draft. 
yeah, and I was one of those people that were drafting him, you know, late to mid first round there with Tony Pollard. I mean, the expectation of Tony Pollard this season from a fantasy perspective was he was going to assume that number one running back role in Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott and seeming like finally gone. But I almost feel like to an extent, Tony Pollard now, I don't know if the numbers really back this up, but he felt more effective with Ezekiel Elliott in the back though than when he was the number one back as a whole. Um, I think I can't remember the guy on Dallas right away, but there was a guy, a running back on their team that was cut who was slated to be the number two running back. You got guys like Rico Dowdle and Deuce Vaughn that were really the number two and three running backs on this team, and they really didn't make that much of an impact. But Tony Pollard didn't make that much of an impact as well, especially for where he was drafted this season. It felt like he waited like a month for him to score a touchdown every time he'd score a touchdown. It just was a weird situation. So that's something to monitor. I did see a report maybe that Derrick Henry would go to Dallas, and maybe that's where Tony Pollard's strengths are in as being a number two running back and being the pass-catching running back. But as a lead back, I don't know if it was necessarily his fault, if it was the Lions' fault, or if it was just the inability to get the running game going for Mike McCarthy. Nonetheless, Tony Pollard was definitely a huge disappointment this year. My biggest one, um, and I'm sure it was the top of your list as well, was Puka Nakua. Look, Puka Nakua came out of nowhere this year. I mean, being a rookie this year, coming out of BYU, a lot of expectations, not necessarily in the way of Puka Nakua this season, but he ended up finishing as the number four position ranked wide receiver, averaging 17.6 points. I think there was some optimism, maybe after the first week or two in the NFL season when he had 21.9 fantasy points, as well as 30.1 fantasy points. But as the season went on, he was a guy that just continued to have Tons of success for the Rams. Yeah, Cooper Cup was injured. I think that was one of the reasons why people were a bit skeptical of Puka Nakua. But even when Cooper Cup came back, and Cooper Cup obviously wasn't fully healthy this season, but even as Cooper Cup you know, did come back, Puka Nakua, it seemed, was the number one receiver on this team, regardless of what Cooper Cup's successes were in the past, right? It seemed like it was Puka Nakua's receiving core for his ability to be on the field, as well as just productivity as well. But he was a guy that probably not a lot of people were drafting at all. He was a guy that a lot of people probably picked up after week one or week two, and he was ended up being rostered by the end of the season in 96.3% of leagues. But tremendous season for him. I know people that are, you know, in the dynasty world or have dynasty teams that ended up picking him up, especially for cheap, are salvating with Puka Nakua in the future. But Cooper Cup's going to be going up there in age, and Puka Nakua's got some fresh legs. And assuming Matthew Stafford's staying the quarterback there, or Sean McVay in that system. I think Puka Nakua is here to stay for fantasy purpose down the line. And he could maybe evolve into that number one wide receiver that Cooper Cup has been, it seems like, for periods of time. Okay, your next biggest surprise. So our next biggest surprise is going to be uh, Puka Nakua's teammate who's drafted in the fifth round, same as him, but the year before. I'm going to go with Kyron Williams. Really yeah. came out of nowhere, only played 12 games this year, so missed five games. Uh, but even then, he had 11... 1,144 yards, 12 rushing touchdowns, was a good receiving back with 32 receptions, 204 yards, and three receiving uh, touchdowns. Just torched every team. He averaged 95 yards per game uh, on the ground and through the air. I mean, he didn't average a lot, but he averaged a good, good amount there as well. I mean, it wasn't whereas he was going to be maybe receiving back, but 32 catches is 32 catches. I mean, just really surprising what he was able to do in only a 12-game span and coming back from injury towards the end of the year and still playing at an elite level. He ended the year at, uh, at the number four running back in the 2023 season uh, with missing five games. I mean, he just had a historically great year from basically no playing time. I mean, in comparison to a lot of other guys, he and guys who played 17 games, they didn't even come close to the numbers that Kyron Williams is putting up. 
really surprised me. I thought his first couple games were kind of a fluke. Uh, and I didn't pick – he was a, I, a couple of weeks. He was on waivers. I saw him. I was like, there's no way he's going to keep on doing it. Kind of the same thing with Pukunuku. I didn't pick him up after the first time he had a big game because I was like, I don't think he's going to be able to do it. But they both were able to do it. Kyron Williams uh, had a great season, especially coming off a season where he played 10 games, only had 35 rush attempts and less than 150 yards uh, and no touchdowns in the season before. He was a fifth-round pick uh, and just kind of exploded out of nowhere. I mean, I, I definitely didn't see this coming. Uh, he's definitely not drafting any fantasy drafts uh, with other running backs that were there uh, that, a lot of more, that a lot of other people had uh, interest in for the Rams. And I bet Kyron Williams was not one of those guys uh, right before, or during draft season last year. Yeah, not only was Kyron Williams interesting, that Rams team was off interesting as well. These young guys like Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua stepping up to the plate and the Rams making a postseason run. I feel like running backs, especially the last two seasons, it's like guys that you expect to do well don't do well and guys that you don't expect to do well do really well. So Kyron Williams was definitely, again, another one of those surprises here. It begs the question, what is the importance of running backs, right? Because it feels like there's a lot of these rookies, guys that are young, that haven't established themselves yet by weeks three and four that really do establish themselves. And I look at Kyron Williams, particularly the success that he had towards the end of the season. It kind of reminds me of Cam Akers when Cam Akers was the running back, not this past season, but but the one before that felt like he came alive towards the end of the season as well. And Cam Akers was slated to be the number one running back for this Rams team. And that ended up not being the case. I believe he was like traded after a week or something like that. And Kyron Williams, next man up there for them, was able to have a good amount of success. For my number two, I'm going to go with Rasheed Rice. Now, Rasheed Rice was a guy that definitely intrigued me. I didn't know what to expect out of Rasheed Rice this season. I mean, he's one of those guys that he's on the Chiefs, right? So you never really know what you're going to get out of him as far as where he's been at in his career and in what his potential is. Cause he is only 23 years old coming out of SMSU, a guy that a lot of people were not very excited about to see, but as time goes on and the season went on, he really established himself in his first season there in the NFL finished the season with 79 receptions for 938 yards and seven touchdowns. And obviously the chiefs wide receivers were the, uh, the meme capital of the world, I guess you could say in the football world. And he was one of those guys that definitely stepped up to the plate and a guy that not a lot of people were talking about really at the beginning of the draft and as the season went on, especially in, you know, weeks one and two. And then he kind of started to get to a name for himself as time went on there, averaging 13.3 fantasy points and being rostered in 83.4%. Biggest question mark is can he sustain the success? Because with the Chiefs team as a whole, I talked about it a lot with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the running back position. I understand it's different, but Sky Moore was a disappointment. Kadarius Tony was a disappointment. Maybe Rasheed Rice is the guy that's going to be the next big wide receiver there coming out of Kansas City. Is he as good as Tyreek Hill was? No. But is he a guy that's a good short completion guy? Yeah, absolutely. He had that volume there. He had that yards, um, and he also had the touchdowns go along with it. So I was really surprised by him. He's a guy going into his second season. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. So I feel like we can make the same comparison to Sky Moore in his first season, and he obviously had a disappointing year this past season. So Rasheed Rice was definitely another big surprise, especially for this Kansas City Chiefs team who recently just won that Super Bowl, uh, their second in a row. Okay, what about your next surprise? So my next surprise is, and I'm going to go with a rookie here, uh, a player you really didn't like coming out of, out of the draft. I'm going to go C.J. Stroud. I think yeah. what he did in these few games for fantasy-wise, he finished as the fantasy quarterback number nine on the year. And with that missing two games as well, his well, I think the big thing around him was, was he going to throw a lot of interceptions? He only had five on the year, didn't really turn the ball over. 
had a good amount of yards at right around right at 4,100 yards uh, with 23 passing touchdowns. Uh, had three rushing touchdowns on the ground, 167 rushing yards. So not a big rushing threat, but I mean, you take those fa- for fantasy wise. But I think the big thing, like I was saying before, was the interceptions. Uh, I thought that he would be a really good quarterback in the league, but a really good fantasy quarterback just because of uh, I thought they would have a really good attack, uh, offensive attack through the air, and they would probably be playing behind a lot of games, so they need to throw a lot. But his pass, his interception percentage was at one percent, which is really, really good. I think the NFL average is right around like two point three, two point four percent. He was way below league average uh, in uh, interception percentage at right around one percent. I mean, Stroud just had a great year. I think they could put up even more numbers uh, uh, with playing those two more games uh, because of the concussion. Uh, he put 275 uh, fantasy points, like I said before, was the number nine quarterback uh, for fantasy-wise. He could have easily put up another 30, 40 fantasy points right there and probably ended up as a top five fantasy quarterback where you could have gotten him probably midway late in your draft just because there's a lot of question marks on how he's going to perform with this Texans team that – really didn't have much offensive threat last year, and we didn't really know if CJ would be able to come in and uh, catapult that team uh, like he did. I, I think a lot more people had expectations that he would have a season like how Bryce Young did, not the type of season he did have. Yeah, and I was one of those people that really was just not buying the CJ Stroud hype, but he did a really good job. As you mentioned, his touchdown-to-turnover ratio was phenomenal. He was a guy that really did a good job of pulling under the ball, and for a quarterback that has such a low IQ – I was overall impressed with him and, and really excited to see you know, what he's going to be able to do moving forward. For me, my next player kind of coincides with Rasheed Rice, but it's going to be Kadarius Toney. What a disappointment Kadarius Toney was. He's really been a disappointment, I feel like, through a period of time after getting traded over to Kansas City, uh, not this last season, but the one before that. For New York in his first season, 39 receptions on 420 yards and zero touchdowns. Has those three touchdowns with Kansas City this year, but there was obviously a, a higher expectation for Kadarius Tony this season, and he definitely disappointed. I mean, that might even be an understatement for how bad he was. Rostered in 11.5% of leagues, averaging 4.1 points. We talked about the drops that he had. Obviously, the drops don't necessarily, unless your you know, league scoring settings are, are different, Drops don't really mean anything, but it really means something to Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. And there's a reason he was a healthy scratch for the Super Bowl. So it just was a really rough season for Kadarius Tony. It definitely disappointed me. I mean, I, I think it's remarkable, that, if I'm going to be honest, how bad that Chiefs wide receiver core really looked on paper. And they found a way to win a Super Bowl. Even Travis Kelsey didn't have the season that he's used to having. So there's just a lot of things that surprised me about this Chiefs offense. But I think Kadarius Tony was definitely one of the biggest disappointments. And I had seen something, I think it was a meme, where Kadarius Tony had said at the Super Bowl that he is like the best receiver if he gets the ball thrown to him. But every time we've seen him get the ball thrown to him, he's dropped it. So I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but Kadarius Tony has tons of talent. The biggest thing was could he hold on to the ball because he's extremely fast. He could have been like a mini Tyreek Hill, and I guess he could still be. I don't know his contract situation, I'm guessing. But, I mean, I don't even know if the Chiefs would keep him if they have the option to, but I don't know. I feel like he's too good of a wide receiver to give up on yet. If you have him in Dynasty or you would like to trade for him in Dynasty, you could get him at a really low value, and it could be a tremendous asset to you. But a huge disappointment this season was Kadarius Tony. Okay, another surprise. So I'm going to go with uh, a rookie that I really didn't like the draft pick at the when they did it for the Lions. I'm going to go Jameer Gibbs. Uh, he finished at the as the RB10 this year, fantasy, and he missed two games within that time. He finished just under 1,000 yards at 945, 
We did have 10 rushing touchdowns uh, through the air was the receiving threat there had on 72 targets caught 52 of them for our 316 receiving yards with one receiving touchdown. I mean, he's kind of do it all. I mean, I didn't think he's going to have that big of a role there. I wasn't a fan of him getting picked, I think, 12th overall. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of that. I thought that David Montgomery was going to be be able to be that lead back. Uh, I thought he was going to take away a lot of the carries from Gibbs, but Gibbs really showed perseverance. I did a lot better than I thought. Uh, had over uh, 1,200 yards combined through the uh, on the ground through the air, over 10 touchdowns. I mean, had a really good season. I was really surprised by it. It was definitely a guy that I had the Lions as a loser in the draft just because of that pick. I thought they could have gone somewhere else, but really proved me wrong. Gibbs uh, looks like he potentially moved into the RB1 role there, but they're probably still going to split time with Dave Montgomery. I think it'll be a couple years until he's that true RB1. It just hopefully he's not like a Tony Pollard where – when once he does become a true RB one, he kind of just disappears. He kind of needed someone else to be the RB one, or uh, he needed to be the bat or be the Robin to that Batman. I mean, if he's able to be that number one guy, you could definitely see him uh, have 15, 1600 yards uh, on the ground through the air with fifteen plus touchdowns if he's able to get the full time job. Yeah, Jameer Gibbs is interesting. I mean, I was a guy that wasn't a big Jameer Gibbs fan at all. I think a lot of people were questioning the Lions move there of trading DeAndre Swift, getting Jameer Gibbs there, and then having a one-two punch with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Obviously, David Montgomery has been a solid back for the Bears, but a guy that wasn't necessarily the stars of running backs as far as that's concerned. So there was a lot of question marks there, but they really balanced into each other well, and that's why the Lions were able to have success. I feel like every time we talked about the Lions, whether it was an individual game or a team preview, I'd always say the biggest thing for the Lions as far as having success is establishing a great one-two punch. And Jameer Gibbs, as far as PPR is concerned, was by far the best running back that the Lions could use. I mean, you look at Jameer Gibbs as a whole, he is a very fast runner. He ran one of the fastest 40 times in combine history and is a tremendous success there, but a great pass catching ability, which was huge for him and one of the reasons why his fantasy value just jumped up. It seemed like skyrocketed, to be honest, and he just had a tremendous season there. So good to see for Jameer Gibbs, good to see for the Lions, and I feel like he's going to be here to stay. And maybe it's a, it's a situation, as you mentioned, with Tony Pollard. Look, Tony Pollard, when he lost his main big back in Zeke, he wasn't the same running back. So maybe that's a lesson learned. And I understand the Lions are a different scheme than you know, the, the Cowboys are, but it's a similar in that concept of Tony Pollard being that elusive back there. So we'll have to see what happens on the line there. But I think next year we're going to see continued success on that side there. For me, I'm going to stick with running backs. I'm going to go with Devon A-Chain. Look, this is a guy that came out of nowhere. He obviously dealt with some injuries. He didn't play in week one, didn't play in week six through 10 or 12. Um, but when he was on the field, he was very efficient besides, you know, week 11 where he got injured, um, obviously week 15 and 16. But other than that, I mean, besides one week in Buffalo, the final week of the season, he had 20 plus points every week and was just a tremendous option. He was one of the fastest running backs as well. It feels like speed is just paramount to all positions in the NFL. But Davon Achan was a tremendous asset there. I can't ever forget that Denver game where he had 51.3 fantasy points, four total touchdowns, 230 total yards. It's just phenomenal there. And, you know, Raheem Mostert had a great amount of points as well. It's just like a win-win combination there. And, you know, there was questions with Jeff Wilson being on IR that he was going to be a main back. But I feel like nobody was talking about Raheem Mostert. And obviously nobody was talking about A-Chain there. So 
biggest thing with A-Chain is staying on the field. And I feel like running backs are scarce. So the biggest thing for A-Chain moving forward is can he stay on the field and can he sustain that success? I think he definitely can. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with Raheem Mostert, if they're going to continue this one-two punch here, if they're going to experiment in the draft. But this is supposed to be a pass-first team with Tua. Devon A-Chain can definitely provide you tremendous reception value there. And again, these running backs, like a running back carousel, I feel like they're either really good are really bad. So really pleased with A-Chain this season, and what is he going to be able to do, and can he sustain that? I think it's going to be huge for him there. Okay, your final surprise of the season. Yeah, so before I get into the final surprise, I did call it A-Chan. If you go back, uh, I really like that pick. Uh, if you go back to the uh, Dolphins preview, I did say he was my uh, one of my favorite draft picks from that. I definitely didn't expect that type of season that he had, but he was one of the rookies I did like that they drafted. Granted, I don't think they had many draft picks in this last one. Right. Uh, but for my last one, I got to go with Mike Evans. And it's more just a consistency thing. I didn't know how well he was going to play with Baker Mayfield first time being there. Uh, Baker, he played all 17 games. Uh, he's now 30 years old. I mean, right around that 30 years old mark is right when get our series start to fall off. But another 1,000-yard Season finished with 79 receptions, had 1,255 receiving yards, 13 receiving touchdowns, had 203 fantasy points, which uh, with that, he ended as the number four wide receiver uh, this past fantasy season. I mean, he was definitely someone you were able to get later in your draft, uh, probably closer to like fifth round, maybe sixth round, uh, just because the question marks around Baker Mayfield, if he was going to have a good season, uh, which was going to really affect Mike Evans also with Mike Evans, uh, him getting a little bit older, is he going to be able to keep on having a thousand yards every single season? And he surpassed that. Uh, thirteen touchdowns is tied for the second most that he's had. Uh, last time he had thirteen touchdowns was in twenty twenty with Tom Brady. Uh, last time he had twelve hundred yards, uh, you have or twelve hundred more yards. You have to go back to twenty eighteen, uh, where he had fifteen hundred yards. I mean, it was just one of those seasons that I did not expect to see from him. Uh, he had a really good catch percentage at eighty. Uh, or at fifty-eight percent, I mean, yards per game were up just a little bit from uh, just the seasons before. It just kind of surprised me as a whole. I did not expect Mike Evans to have a thousand yards again. I mean, it was one of those things. If he was close to it, I could definitely see them force feeding him uh, to get to that thousand yard mark. But thirteen touchdowns was a surprise. I was just one of those guys where I was expect I was expecting him to have a decent season, but I was not expecting him to finish as a top ten wide receiver like how he did, or top even top five wide receiver as in, as he finished fourth. Yeah, I think there's a lot of question marks with Mike Evans as a whole because Mike Evans was the guy that's Mr. Consistent. Feels like he has, and he does, have a 1,000 yards, it seems like, every season. But there was a lot of question marks, right? You come from one of the greatest of all time, actually the greatest of all time at the moment, and Tom Brady and the quarterback that he was able to be there. And they've obviously had famous Jameis and some other guys there in Tampa Bay. But you look at Baker Mayfield, he, it's just not the same quarterback as those guys. And so there was a lot of question marks if Mike Evans was going to be good. And not only that, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were going to be good, they were very efficient and very effective. So good to see there on the Buccaneers standpoint and good to see some consistency from Mike Evans, which is obviously something a lot of fantasy owners like to see. You have those guys that you can trust game in and game out to have success. For me, my final guy, and it's going to be a uh, apology tour, it's going to be Jordan Love. I was just shitting on Jordan Love all season. And even at the beginning part of the season as well, I think that's in part because I'm a Vikings fan, but the brief games that I saw Jordan Love start when Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback Really did not throw me, but Jordan Love finished as the fifth best position ranked uh, quarterback, averaging 18.8 fantasy points. And let's be honest here, Jordan Love really didn't use his legs at all. 
he had four rushing touchdowns on the year, but his most carried game was nine carries for 39 yards in week three. Basically, every other week, then forward was two, three, even four carries for a short amount of yards. He did it in the air. He did it all in all and just had a great amount of success, especially towards the end of the season. It was the reason that the, the Packers not only made the postseason, but beat the Cowboys in the first round. So Jordan Love definitely surprised me. These quarterbacks in particular that have good first seasons, you really got to evaluate the next season because there's always that high, right, of quarterbacks having success or quarterbacks being terrible. Years two and three are the most important for, you know, a quarterback in their career. feels like in the day and age they have to be good in years two and three. Otherwise, they're just – they get, get rid of it. Sometimes they have to be good in year one or they get rid of as well. So looking at Jordan Love as a whole, he's got all the tools he needs to have, have success. He's a great quarterback there for the Packers. And, you know, the Packers may have found a good one there, but I definitely got to apologize for the Jordan Love slander. Even during the season, I still didn't buy the hype, but – there's a lot of reason to. He finished as a top five quarterback, which there's a lot of great quarterbacks. Yeah, there's a lot of injuries this season, but a lot of great quarterbacks. Got to give credit where credit was due. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode here on The Truth. If you guys did enjoy it, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter. The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information you don't want to miss. Make sure you guys also follow The Truth on Instagram and TikTok at the.tt.truth as we do an Instagram Live every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Then post the highlights and clips from those Instagram Lives on our Instagram and TikTok pages. Are you looking to find a drink that offers peak hydration, raises your energy levels, speeds up your recovery, and keeps your mind sharp through focus and memory? Look no further than with Acid Rainwater. I'm excited to partner with Blondelight Sports, AZ, and Acid Rainwater, which focuses on peak hydration and productivity, will also maintain the ecosystem-friendly product. Use code HESSON15, that's H-E-S-S-O-N-1-5, for 15% off every purchase. Hope you guys did enjoy this first episode of our fantasy football uh, slate here. You know, the goal is to get at least one fantasy podcast out per week, but we'll really just keep you up to date, and it's just kind of be a really flexible. The really important parts of fantasy is going to be more in the summertime as we gear up for the fantasy seasons. A lot of this is going to be previewing some way too early rankings, guys to watch out for, all that stuff. So it will pick up as we get closer to fantasy season, but we just want to get this out here for you guys as a way to kick off, and we'll probably have a couple more we're recapping here before we really take a deeper dive. Uh, into fantasy for this upcoming season but hope you guys do enjoy it hope you guys are excited for this here in 2024 and as always i'm your host the one you love the most now has been joined once again by aj ponciano take care and good night